The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello there, friends. Welcome to Laughter Permitted. I'm Julie Gulia, and I'm here with Lenny O. Hello, Len. Hi, Julie. This is our final episode of season five. And we had the idea from the start, although maybe, full disclosure, Colleen didn't quite know about this, that we would save the best for the last and end the season with Dr. Colleen Hacker. And no surprise here, Lynn, she did not disappoint. No, she never does. And this conversation was powerful. I think it hits differently than the previous episodes we've done. What was consistent for sure is walking away with new ideas. I'll speak for myself to directly put into my life Mm -hmm. and we focus in this episode on stress related growth and all that can be gained from difficult situations we go through dr colleen hacker or flash as i call her as she is always shining light is a professor of kinesiology at pacific lutheran university and an expert in performance psychology she has worked with numerous olympic teams elite athletes and corporate executives on mental skills. And here she is once again to spread her wisdom with all of us in the dope village. So get comfortable listening. It's Flash. Hey there, dope village. Lynn and I have been involved in women's sports our entire lives. And truly, we've never been more excited for what's to come in this women's sports space. And one big reason, ally, Ally has made a commitment to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And that means more money going to women's sports and more visibility for what these incredible athletes are accomplishing. Ally is on a mission to change the game for women's sports. So here at Laughter Permitted, we're going to keep telling the stories of trailblazing women And every time you listen in, you are part of that change. To learn more about Ally, go to ally.com. Hey there, Dope Village. As y'all know, Ally has backed Laughter Permitted since day one of our podcast as our financial ally. And honestly, Lynn, I might just tattoo Ally on my forehead. And Ally is currently on a mission to change the game for women sports. And get this, along with being sponsors of the National Women's Soccer League, Atlantic Coast Conference, United States Golf Association, and the Las Vegas Aces, Ally has committed to an equal media investment in women's and men's sports. And you, my friends, can be part of the change by watching your favorite athletes crush it on TV, by going to women's sporting events in person, by, I don't know, maybe listening to every single episode of this amazing podcast on trailblazing women. Because every time you show up for women's sports, you are helping move the game forward. You can learn more about Ally by visiting ally.com. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time. Flash, first off, bless you, bless you, bless you three times 
for taking the time, my friend, because I know you're at the end of your school year and things are crazy. You're heading into an Olympics, so you have a ton of work with athletes going on. And yet, remarkably so, you have never, ever said to me, how does never sound, Jules? Ever. When will that be coming? I'm telling you, laughter permitted is my go-to. I need this for my sanity podcast. (laughs) So the answer is always an enthusiastic and a grateful yes. To be Mm. honest with you, though, I, I feel like it's a little bit like the Saturday Night Live host. I keep thinking I'm going to come back till I get a squeaky toy and get to compete in trivia. So I I thought it might be this time, but apparently not. Well, apparently we're smart because we keep getting you to come back if we don't play the game. So we are not (laughs) playing the game again. So I'll just, I'll just ask in advance, do you, do you want to go through the formalities of competing or do you just want to declare me the winner? I mean, those, those are who the winner in this scenario is the winner of life, the winner of everything. Dr. Colleen flash. Oh, I see that that gets really to the heart of it all. I am so scared that I would get crushed. I wouldn't even squeak in and be like Jackie Joyner cursey episode. I never even had a squeak. Not one squeak. Game on, Jules. And Game and just so on. you know, that's the same kind of sort of fear-based mentality that the U.S. women's national team wants to engender <laughs> in its opponents. Right. I don't know who we're playing today, but I wouldn't want to be them. Bad, we used to say, bad day to be German. <laughs> Flash, you also have this gift to make complex thoughts consumable. And I would even say not just consumable inspirational and as we talk about all the time there is this constant crossover between the mental skills that you teach athletes and how that applies to daily life i am reminded of it daily so thank you Uh, and i just want to say you continue to impact us in so many meaningful ways you don't even realize my friend it means a great deal to me i will say it means a great deal to me because I care deeply about what I share and, and both of you maybe know more than most how, how much I work at it, like work on it, read, consume the science, consume the evidence, but then try to translate it into, into usable information. And so it really does matter to me because I care about the message and I care about people on the receiving end of it. Mm. So I, I, that compliment strikes a deep chord, truly. Well, we get so many listeners, too, who say, and I'm not just blowing smoke, who go, I could listen to Colleen's episode over and over again, and I do, and I capture something different from it each time. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and it, fits with, it fits with what we talked about earlier. I mean, my mind went to, to two places right away that it's the same in nature. Like you have favorite places, you have a bike ride that you go on, you have a walk that you go on, you have a vacation spot. And what I would say, if your eyes are open and your heart is open, you see it anew each and every time. You revisit it again for the first time. And Mm -hmm. and to have that spirit, this is a true story. I actually had a friend in, in 
in Tucson when I was in grad school in Tucson and I was talking about going to the Grand Canyon and she said, oh, I've already been to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that. I'm like, well, then I think your work here is done. I mean, if you've been there once, I'm, I'm sure there's absolutely nothing more there for you to see or take in or behold. And she wasn't kidding. Like, you know, there's just these moments. And so it's that. Uh, said no one ever about Hawaii. Oh, I'm not going to go to Hawaii. Been there. Exactly. But, but you have to have eyes to see it. And you have to have ears to hear it. And you have, a, you have to have a heart to feel it. And, and, and so, you know, we talk about that, the difference between hearing something and really listening. And so, so people that listen to laughter permitted, notice I said, listen to laughter permitted, right? Hearing is just the activity of the sense organs. Okay, your ears work, congratulations. <laughs> hearing something, but, but not taking it in, not reflecting on it not revisiting it, like listening to it again and again, because you're at a different place. And so the mm. same words strike you anew. Mm -hmm. And so to me, when I hear that, it's the difference between hearing, which is mm. passive and listening, mm. which is active. Mm -hmm. So uh, to me, it says much more about your listener than it does any mm -hmm. words I have to share. It, I really mean that right? That person is listening. Well, Colleen, we are listening again today. And it's really something that each time we've come together, it has felt like a moment. We called on you at the beginning of the pandemic when we didn't know what was going on. And we sought your guidance then. And then we spoke about nine months later, when we felt like we had a sense of, okay, we've made it this far, what should we continue to be doing? And now we're in a time where it seems to be, how do we move forward in the midst of everything that has happened? How can we look at this past year and change and be better for it considering how tough it was? That's a critical question. And, and it's important. So often I think people are searching for the right answer and it really starts with asking the best and the right questions. So the question is, as you say, how do we move forward? Is there guidance? Has there been value to what we've all been through? Can I use this in service to something else and bigger and important to me going forward? You see how so often it's the questions that become critical. You know, I, I have shared before, no one wishes difficulty on anyone. Life is challenging enough. I, I don't want heartache for people. I don't want loss for people. I don't want difficulty for people. I don't want pain for people, but it is part of the human condition. It is part of all of our lives at different times to greater or lesser extent. And so for me, when I, when I hear you ask that question, my mind immediately goes to two terms that really have been researched and written about and shared, although not as widely as I might prefer. And that is Tedeschi's work and Calhoun in what's called post-traumatic growth. 
post-traumatic growth. And related to that is a more recent iteration that is, that is called stress-related growth. And while post-traumatic growth, the greatest amount of research is in more clinical, severe, catastrophic kinds of trauma, it's related to, to stressful situations, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's real guidance in that. But it's important to understand what it is. So stress-related growth or post-traumatic growth is defined as sort of the positive outcomes, the positive outcomes that can result. They don't always result. They're not guaranteed to result. You have to do some work, but there are the positive outcomes that result from stressful or traumatic situations. And the way that growth occurs is through mastery, getting better at something, by increasing our coping skills, like our ability to handle stress, Jules would have experienced that appropriately every day in Mm -hmm. practice where we call it pressure training. Like you put yourself in reduced space and then you reduce the number of touches, for instance, on the soccer ball to increase the stress. Mm -hmm. So that if she can play controlled and possession in small space, imagine how much easier it will be on a huge soccer field. And I just use that as an example. So here I thought here I thought you were going to say you would have experienced that every day homeschooling your kids. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which is our form of pressure training, isn't it? So so I go back to how can you grow through mastery, getting better at things in our lives, increasing our coping skills, Well, coping how? Coping with distress, coping with stress, coping with challenges. Mm -hmm. I love Emma Hayes. I just heard a wonderful quote with Emma Hayes, Chelsea's manager, and she called it positive discomfort. And I'm like, I'm going to remember that, right? Positive discomfort. The third way that we we can grow from stress is our closeness to others. And I think one of the things that we've all found in the, in the pandemic is that we've benefited from unexpected people in unexpected places in unexpected ways. Mm-hmm. And some of the people that we may have expected or thought or anticipated being central to our lives, eh, not so much. So there was real clarity in our closeness to others. And then just being honest from a literature standpoint, spirituality. And notice Mm. I'm not saying religion, but spirituality, which is much bigger. It's about who am I in this world? What is my purpose in this world? Sort of a renewed understanding of our life and our value and our purpose. So that's, that's how with reflection that we can experience stress-related growth, right? Mm-hmm. If, if, I used, if I used a soccer example and, and just a, a allow me to do this briefly, I, I don't think she'd mind only because she was kind enough uh, to, to share this um, with Anson and I, but I, looked at, I look at the story of Crystal Dunn, right? Mm-hmm. Who is ostensibly the last cut from the 2015 World Cup team, stressful. Mm-hmm. traumatic, 
-hmm. something she'd worked for her entire life. And that could have buried her, right? She could have played the blame game. She could have played the woe is me game. But she actually used by her own admission that devastating deselection as an impetus, as a springboard for growth. Unbelievable, unbelievable NWSL season. Developed her game, developed her mental toughness, um, expanded her versatility, her capability. That's an example. Now, might she have done that without the deselection? Absolutely. But by her own admission, that was a line in the sand that she just said, I'm going to make it impossible for the next coach not to put me on that roster. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now, that's a sport example of that. So the pandemic has given us this opportunity, given the stress, to actually grow in this situation is, is what I'm hearing. Right. And and what I'm feeling, honestly, um, as hard as it is, I do look at it as an opportunity to grow. But when you're reading stuff about the pandemic or you're talking to people about the pandemic, we're not focusing on the growth, are mm -hmm. we? We're focusing on, oh, my God. I mean, the word that I use a lot, the shit show that has been this last year instead of, oh, this is the value, the potential value, depending on how you take it, I could actually glean from all of this. Exactly. You have to recognize it. You have to recognize it. There is potential growth and it's available to each and every one of us, regardless of gender or age or affiliation in life or career. It's available to us, but you have to do something. It's not something that happens. The word happens is a passive process. You have to actively engage with that. Listen, you're, it's not just your sense of it. it. In the top four of most read New York Times articles is the article on languishing. <laughs> it's like word of the month is languishing. Right, oh, we finally have a word. I have a word. And, and listen, it is important to, to name something, right? It is important to name something. I think that's why the, that's why the article on languishing and the description of languishing, as opposed to flourishing, right? If we looked at a continuum, mm -hmm. you have languishing and then flourishing and then everything in between, it's why it resonated with so many people. Like people are going, been there, done that. I'm, you know, like, and then we tell our stories. But every time we tell our stories of our exhaustion and difficulty and pain, we are strengthening those pathways. Mm -hmm. think, think of it as tall grass, like a field of tall grass. And every time you walk through it, you create, it pats the, the tall grass down. You create a pathway. And the more you walk on it, you know, the flatter the path becomes. And, and most of us, probably without thinking about it, have spent a great deal of time strengthening the pathway of, of pain, of languishing, of difficulty. Those are the stories we tell. And yet, it, I'm sure there's going to be listeners that, that can relate to this. I'm moving in some ways from the pandemic to, to something more personal for, for people. If you've ever experienced with yourself or a loved one, 
um, a medical situation that defies immediate diagnosis. Well, I'm, you know, I'm tired all the time or my aches, my aches and pains, or, you know, this is unexpected and nobody can figure out what it is. And you're going from doctor to doctor and medical facility to medical facility. And you're just frustrated and you feel like you're spinning your wheels. Even if it's negative, getting a definitive diagnosis is some, it, it creates a new beginning. It creates mm-hmm. a starting line. And listeners, I assume, are nodding if they've been in that experience with themselves or their family. At least I know what it is. At mm-hmm. least I have a name for it. Mm-hmm. And the article on languishing gave us a name for it, but it's a noun, right? <laughs> you name things. Think about with children. When we're teaching our children language, the first thing we teach them is nouns, right? Mama, dada, dog, cat, you know, cookie. Nouns are important. Naming things has value because it gives us agency. But nouns need to be followed by verbs. And, and that's true in the English language. If you have a noun in a sentence without a verb, you have an incomplete sentence. But I would say we need that same connection in life. Name it, okay? You know, I'm languishing. You know, I'm naming. I'm frustrated. I'm stressed. I'm exhausted. Right. So we name it. We name what we're feeling. But I immediately want to plant in people's mind, okay? And what's the verb? I'm exhausted and I need to do something enhancing that's going to fill my cup. I'm frustrated and now I need to get out in nature and see something bigger than me. And do you see what I'm saying? It's the and. We wanna focus on the verb, on, on what we can do. And we just do one half of it. We just name it. We name our feelings, we name our difficulties, we name our frustrations. We name our stresses without connecting them to an and. And if we can turn our stresses, our traumas, if we're going to turn them into growth experiences, we have got to add action with that. What can I do? I'm going to use a simple thought experiment. And and I'm going to challenge both of you in your respective roles to try to do this in the next week. Oh, it's a competition. Let's go. Well, it's a way of thinking. Instead of when people ask what you do or when you describe yourself, instead of using your noun, I'm a producer, I'm a podcaster, I'm a multiple gold medalist. I'm a world champion. I'm a massive deal. (laughs) What I want people to do is instead of describing their title, which is a noun, I'm a professor. Mm -hmm. I'm a mental skills coach. Now, 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 boring, Mm -hmm. boring, boring. (laughs) Turn what you are into what you do. So now it becomes, oh, what, what do you do? I help people. I provide. I facilitate. I solve. I coordinate. I educate. You see the difference? Mm. Think about what you do instead of who you are. Mm. There's a wonderful quote 
of Ben Zander. He's the former um, conductor of the Boston Philharmonic. And he was asked in an interview, what is it that you do? I mean, one of the most famous orchestras in the world. How would you describe yourself? What is it that you do? And here was his answer. I am the dispenser of enthusiasm. <laughs> he didn't say. Oh, that is so good. Come on. What did he Sarah Thomas say, say in her podcast? She said that she was something like the enforcer of the rules, but she had this great line. She didn't just mm-hmm. say that she was a, a referee. A ref. She said yeah. she said something so descriptive. Uh-huh. Colleen, how would you describe yourself? What do you do? Well, if I think about my professor hat, I, I educate students on the possibility and potential in their lives to make a difference both in the world and in other people's lives. Whoa. Is that all? And I take that very seriously. <laughs> Jesus, it's amazing. Yeah, and that's how I think of it. That's That's... I think about what I do rather than than what I am, because what I am is very static and it's a noun. So so think about think about a coaching situation. Okay, so it's your fault, Jules, for being right in front of me. So my mind goes to soccer, but it could be anything. Think about what a coach's role is. A coach's role is is to create more possibilities, to refine, to um, broaden, to deepen. So imagine a coach who saw one of their athletes miss, miss a shot wide, and all that they could do is describe it. Well, that was a miss. <laughs> wow, thanks for the insight. That was, so, so that's why nobody's jumping up or that was a miss you say. And there's people who really do that. They just announce what was. Well, that was a miss. That was a foul. That was an error. That was a double fault. Wow. Thanks, said no one. Right? What the moment you see a problem, remember we're talking about post-traumatic growth, right? The moment you see a problem as a coach, your job doesn't begin until you begin solving the problems, till you give mm. action to remedy it. You miss the goal, next time, keep your head down, ankle lock, go far, po- right? You give them something to do. You don't just describe what's been. That's so good because it reminds me too of, were you ever at our leadership academies when we um, we give the the dog poop initiative? analogy have you tell me no and why am i not in this and if anything involves poop you know i am in so this is an analogy jamie pagliarulo who you know uh works with us at the leadership academies she loves this book and it's basically about it's a true story a guy wrote this book about he was at a game with a soccer game with his child and there was dog poop on the field and this dad is watching as all these people are like, hey, watch out for the dog poop. Hey, there's poop over there. Hey, like thinking they're doing such a service by pointing to the poop. And they call, he called them the pointers. They put cones around the poop. The referees would even say, hey, watch out for the poop. Hey, watch out for the poop. Poop, poop over here. Poop over here. Neon sign. Poop here. 
So, <laughs> so all of a sudden he's like, why isn't anyone picking up the poop? We need more scoopers in life. So he grabs a piece of cardboard, scoops it up and puts it in the trash. Problem solved, poop gone instead of all these pointers. And so the point of the dog poop initiative is be a scooper, not a pointer in life. Oh, I love that. This goes back. Clearly, I need a renewed invitation back to Julie Foudy's Leadership Academy. Best week ever. So I had not heard that. But it goes back to a conversation Lynn and I were having. And that is, it's my belief that there's very few principles in life, but a ton of application. And so if you just use that analogy, look at how it fits with this conversation. Do you just want to point out the difficulties or do you want to solve the problem, right? And, and so it's that, that notion of taking action. Something's required of me. Anybody who has teenagers at home or been around teenagers in their lives, they know this classic look where they sort of roll their eyes, put their hands up, and it's like, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know. And, and what I always say, I say it to Olympians, I say it to professional athletes, and I say it to teenagers, it's not knowing what to do. It's doing what you know, right? Knowing what mm. to do, everybody knows what to do. Mm -hmm. I should have studied more. I should have worked harder. Um, I shouldn't have let it bother me. Uh, I should have practiced for that situation. Great. That and 50 cents will get you a, a, a drink out of the soda machine, but it's not going to get you results. Mm -hmm. So it's not enough to know what to do. You have to act on it. You have to do what you know. Look at how that connects to what we were saying about the difference between hearing and listening. Listening requires application, and we're really good about announcing things that we've heard, but we're not doing. Let me give you an example. I should be eating better. I should be moving more. I should have learned how to do that. Well, I should be retired on my own private island, and both of us are going to be decidedly <laughs> unfulfilled in life. Like knowing what to do gets you no points. You have to do it. And that chasm between those two phrases, I know what to do versus doing what I know, that space is where the magic is because there's people who will act in that space. Mm -hmm. There are people who will do in that space. And if I, if I circle back to, to Tedeschi's work and Calhoun and stress-related growth and post-traumatic growth, they point to areas of gain areas of gain, but you have to look for them and you have to recognize them. And then you have to make a choice to talk about the gains instead of revisit, revisiting the languishing. D does that make sense? Like you have mm -hmm. to create new pathways mm -hmm. and pathways of accomplishment, pathways of positive coping, things that we've learned that we've never done before. And they're familiar to us now. And you know what? We did pretty darn well. Yeah. We did pretty darn well. 
with something that we've never experienced before. How does giving ourselves some credit every once in a while and considering how we've grown when maybe it doesn't even feel like we have help us? Perspective, perspective. It, it's like the analogy of, of hiking up a mountain or climbing a mountain or, or some metaphor like that, that if all that you do is climb and look up, you just climb and look up. The only thing you will see is how far you have to go. Mm. That's it. Still not there. <laughs> Still not there. You just, you just reinforced how far away from the goal you are. But as you climb, when you turn around and look down, you recognize how far you've come and that's motivating and mm. that's energizing. And you recognize that your efforts matter, that your work has been rewarded. And then if you take a moment to pause and look out, you recognize you're part of this larger landscape. And that choice is yours. It's why I say so often, so ask me how much I love the title of your book, Jules, but the most powerful gift we've been given is our power to choose. Like we, we have that choice. We really have that choice. And, and what I want to say to people is exploit your sense of choice. Exploit it. Mm, wow. you, can, you can exploit your choice. And, and I say, if you're going to do something anyway, right? Think of how many tasks we're going to do anyway. We're going to wash the dishes or we're going to vacuum or we're going to wash our car or we're going to go to work or we're going to have a difficult conversation. Exploit your sense of choice. So, you know, the magic fairy isn't coming in to do the dishes so I can choose how I approach that. And being crabby and complaining about it is not going to clean the dishes and it's not going to make them go away. So why not play music and sing? Why not listen to a podcast and learn? So that if I pair something that I enjoy with something I need to do, I am transforming it. Mm -hmm. But if I stay in the, mm. in the mundane, if I stay in the drudgery, then that's how I feel. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can transform it. Listen, I really do have a life outside of listening to Julie Fowdy on television or, or podcasts. <laughs> but Jules, I'll go back to, I, I don't know if it was, it was an ESPN interview that you did with three other people that you can <laughs> fill in. I, you know, it tells you what I locked on to. But you were asked about the world, the um, Olympic draw this summer. Mm, and everybody, mm -hmm. so hopefully you know, I'm not making yeah, this up. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Everyone's talking about the U.S. draw, the U.S. draw, mm. the U.S. draw. And, I'm, and I said, I'm sitting here and I yell to the TV before you answered, right? Like, there is no bad draw. There is. And I'm like, here's what I said, because I knew how you were going to approach it. I'm like, bring it. 
That's what I yelled to the TV. I'm like, no, Bring you it. already knew what she was going to say. I knew, I knew her orientation. So I yelled, Bring it. And she's like, There is no bad draw. We want to go through every. You see that? It's that perspective. That's a choice. Oh, it just doesn't seem fair to me. How come we always get the. Well, here we go again. Hardest teams out there again. Jules, I'm asking you sincerely. Do you hear that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I do. Go. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot of and people like, who do that. Bring it, suckers. <laughs> you know, you're in our house now. It's in Tokyo. Yeah, and you're in our house now. We <laughs> own Tokyo, right? It's that perspective. What I'm hearing is a lot of positive action and not just positive thinking. Thank you. Thank you. Your reward will be great. I'm done. I'm done here. I am done for lack of permitted. Mike. This is not positive thinking and positive affirmation. I'm here to pump. Yeah. Ah, yeah. Not, not that. Whatever that is, not that. This isn't cheerleading. This isn't positive thinking. This isn't Pollyanna. Everything will work out. It's roll up your sleeves, hard work. It's a decision, right? It's a decision that you make. And there's, there's lots of steps that you can take, but announcing it and naming it are not two of them, right? Mm -hmm. Announcing our difficulty is not a, one of the choices to make. So, so there's a couple. I, I, I don't know if, if this is a good time to share, but I'm ready to share it. <laughs> one thing that I encourage people to do, one, celebrate small things. Like, mm -hmm. I think we can all do better with that. Celebrate small things. Mm -hmm. House is clean, baby, <laughs> right? Who vacuumed this morning? You did. Thank you. One more time for people in the back. <laughs> Who showered this morning? You did. <laughs> but it's a way of thinking. Celebrate small things. You know, I talked to, to both of you about when I find a dime or there's yellow warblers at the, at the fountain. I'm like, yellow warbler alert. Like I, I announce and cheer small celebrations all day long, every day. I don't read to remind myself to do that. Nobody goes, have you celebrated anything lately? It's a habit that I'm, I'm hunting for those moments of, of, as you know, hunting joy and then celebrate them, celebrate small things but you have to feel it and then say it out loud. Even if nobody's there, <laughs> like nobody's in the house, vacuum that living room, <laughs> boom, you know, and nobody's there to hear it, but I promise you, you'll feel differently. So feel it, say it out loud and then turn those celebrations into stories. Imagine if you, mm. if we turned our celebration Whoa. into the stories. Let's share those. So that's number one. Number two, I, I'm going to say it. And I imagine 20,000 people rolling their eyes, but I'm going to make the point about that. Gratitude. Oh, we've heard it. I have 12 gratitude journals. <laughs> they're, they're in my hutch. Oh, 12? I have 14 gratitude journals. And I'll be re-gifting them for birthdays in the years... Like we all know about gratitude. Do you see where I'm going with this? We know about it, but we don't do it. 
Oh yeah, I've heard that. I saw that Oprah interview, right? We, you know, we we name that we know about something, but we're not doing it. Knowing about the value of gratitude does not reap benefits, right? You have to do gratitude. I teach a team building class at, at my university. And one of the assignments is that students are required, you're welcome students, Mm -hmm. Students are required to list five things that they're grateful for and why every day for two weeks. That's a, that's a major college paper assignment. Five for two weeks. And then they write just a one page. All right. How, how were these two weeks different? You can guess and you'd be accurate. They have a renewed appreciation of the little things in their life. They have a renewed appreciation for the people in their lives. They have renewed appreciations for all that they have. And they realize that what they were focused on before this assignment is all they had to do and all of the issues and stress. It is a radical refocusing, but you have to do it. You can't just know about it. Buying a gratitude journal and putting it in the drawer does not confer benefits. You have to engage in gratitude, right? We know about it, but we don't do it. A third thing that we could do, also an assignment in this class. So I sign so me up for this class. Exactly. Here's an Can I example. audit it? Exactly. Where I don't just know about this stuff. Yay for me. I turn it into action, like having it be an assignment as opposed to write a 15 page paper on the value of team building and then put it in your shredder at the end of the semester, right? And then compost the paper, congratulations, you've saved the planet. Is I try to turn knowledge into action that's beneficial, okay? So we do gratitude, five a day for 14 days. Not for life, but if you did that every year or every six months, you would reap those benefits. Okay, second part, random acts of kindness. Every two or three days, again, they have two choices. Every two or three days, do a random act of kindness. One random act of kindness, but it comes with a twist. Mm -hmm. It has to be anonymous. And the reason that I require it to be anonymous is that we don't realize how much we do for others and it's tied into their appreciation for us for doing it. Mm -hmm. If you hold the door open for someone and someone doesn't say thank you, it's like, well, you're welcome. I mean, we're <laughs> offended if we're not properly thanked, right? And so it has to be anonymous and it has to be something you wouldn't normally do. So if I would normally mow my neighbor's lawn, for an example, I couldn't mm -hmm. use that because I normally do that. Well, what does that do? It gets you thinking and yeah. creatively problem solving. It puts binoculars in your hands. Now you're on the hunt and the students come up with such cool stuff. And these don't have to be change the world. They have to be little things. I brought the neighbor's garbage in. And then it's fun to say, to, you know, you're out talking to the neighbors and like, Man, somebody keeps bringing in my garbage can. <laughs> that could be, right? You sort of secretly enjoy that. 
I have students that will put, you know, notes in library books that, that mm. somebody might find when they're in the stacks and exhausted or whatever it might be. But it gets you creatively problem solving and thinking outside yourself. The alternative way to do that is five good deeds a day, five good deeds a day, and do that every month. Five and notice how, notice how I'm providing choice, right? Mm -hmm. Exploit your power of choice. So every two or three days, do you want to do one random act of kindness? Or once a month, do you want to do five good deeds a day? Pretty cool. Mm -hmm. It pushes you to think outside yourself. I always say to people, mm. people all wrapped up in themselves make very small packages, mm. right? And there's a lot of people that are all wrapped up in themselves. There's a wonderful line in the movie Beaches. I, I think it's Bette Midler, but don't don't quote me. Everybody oh, go out and rent it. <laughs> Come out, rent it, and then then correct me. But the line is one of the classics. It's like, enough about me. What do you think about me? <laughs> right? People all wrapped up in themselves make very small packages. So when we when we give ourselves a challenge to look outside find a way to serve, find a way to make a difference and do it anonymously. Now we're like a superhero. Now, now we're like, right. We're, you're, we're Spider-Man or Wonder Woman. We're trying to figure out how to pull this off. So that's another four look for communities and connection, look for communities and connection. And these don't have to be long or enduring. They can just be one-off chats. You're going for yeah. a walk and you notice somebody's dog. What, what kind of dog is that? I don't, I don't know what breed that is. Or, mm -hmm. you know, it, these don't have to be like finding your new best friend for life. And now we have <laughs> dinner every Tuesday, right? These communities and connections can be very brief. They can be ephemeral. They can be one-off, but you feel better about it. I would just say, I would say to, to each of you and to anyone who's listening, if you've ever called um, customer service for anything and you get a really cool person yeah. who's like, let's do this. <laughs> like you feel like you've got a teammate. They're like solving the problem. You hang up and you're like, I'm so glad I got this person. I can't believe it. I make sure I tell them. I always make sure that I tell them. My thing with customer service too, is I think you can be that person. You can bring that inner positive energy to the interaction and it will be met. And who, and who, who has control over that Lynn? I believe I do. You do. <laughs> it's a choice that you make. Yeah. I love when they ask how you are doing and then you ask, well, how are you? And they, and they always go, oh, I'm, I'm fine. Thank you for right. asking. <laughs> But, but what you're bringing up is perspective taking, right? Perspective taking. We talked about it, perspective taking with the, with the Olympic draw. I had this amazing experience, amazing experience. I went to get a new pair of glasses. I mean, you can't get more mundane than getting glasses, right? And they bend it, put it on you, bend it, put it on you. And you're like, okay, well, it's nice knowing you. 
And so I thought, well, I'll chat him up a little bit. I mean, we're here mm -hmm. together. He's playing with my face and giving me advice about glasses. Oh, you know, how long have you been here? What are you doing? Da, da, da. And I said, it must get boring doing this all day long as I'm mm -hmm. projecting myself mm -hmm. onto his job. But I was trying to sort of, right, take perspective and show empathy. And he looked at me, sort of cocked his head and he looked at me and he goes, boring. He said, I help people see. Mm. How cool is that? Mm -hmm. So he didn't fit glasses. See what I said earlier? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have a noun for a job. Right. He had a verb for a job. So he didn't think of himself as a glass fetter. Mm -hmm. He thought of himself in this, I help people see perspective. And that's available to us. So think of, think about that. Think about how proud he must feel at the end of the day to help people see as opposed to, well, I fitted my nine millionth <laughs> pair of glasses today. And with any luck, I'll have eight hours straight of it tomorrow. <laughs> you, you have the power to choose, right? So look for communities and connection. Another thing that is an active choice we can make is find purpose, find purpose in everyday activities. And Simon Sinek and others talk about it, but it's going to your why, going to your why. Now, why are you choosing to do this? Nobody's making you. No, you don't have to do this podcast. You don't have to write a book. You don't have to go to college, right? You don't have... We, we act as though we have to do so much. Look, folks, it's a choice. It's a choice you make. How can you make your purpose meaningful beyond the mundane, right? What is your why? What is the meaning? What is the purpose? Rethink, rethink our place for something much bigger than simply our task or our job. And we, we have the power to do that. And, and then I'll just end with, you know, try something new. Try something new. And, and I'll hear people say that as though it's a failure. Well, I tried knitting and that didn't go well. Well, the point isn't to quit your day job to be a full-time knitter. The point is to try something new. I got an ukulele for Christmas, right? I'm never probably going to be any good at it, but I'm going to strum my little fingers on that ukulele. I'm going to try something new. It, th notice, that, notice my advice isn't pick something and then doggedly devote your life to it until you're an expert. No, try something new. Ask how many people tried to make bread. It's just dough and it sat there. But you tried something new. Right? The point is to be open to new experiences. The point is to be game. I'll give it a go. Right? I'll give it a go. I'll give that a twirl mm. once, never doing it again. That we think the point is to be good at it. No, the point is to try it. The point is to say yes to the possibility mm -hmm. of something new. And I think how many people pick something and stick with that one thing when it's no longer bringing them joy mm -hmm. or laughter 
or a sense of mastery or accomplishment, but they feel like they've got so much into it now, they can't afford mm -hmm. to change. Why not? Why not? So there's something about that renewed excitement, that renewed motivation, that renewed energy, that beginner's mindset. We're, we're, that's why I use that word like, I'll give it a twirl. I'll give it a go. Mm -hmm. And so many people are afraid to do it because they're not going to be good at it, right? That wonderful quote, even the expert was once a beginner. And mm. so if we come at things with this humility and openness, who knows what or who you might discover along the way, right? I, I, I just love that. But notice how everything that I just shared, those six are actions you have to take. A lot of verbs, lot a lot of, of verbs, verbs in this one. I, I'm gonna go through them. Celebrate small things, exploit your sense of choice, try something new. Having to do gratitude, do gratitude. We could just cut it to knowing and not doing wins you no awards. For my 12 year old Declan, I'm gonna keep that one. Ugh. You know, I'll apply that one to myself. I've, I've had to recognize that I've been using nouns and I, uh, I got a call to action from my therapist. And she said to me, I have it on a post-it in my kitchen. Anything I'm not changing, I'm choosing. Mm. So I was choosing to sit in that noun. And then I started, I had, I finally said, okay, I need to start, I need to start doing, I need to start moving. I need to start doing what I've been thinking about, but I was sitting and thinking as well. Notice how in my conversation, in Jules' conversation, in your conversation, Lynn, each one of us has pointed to choice, to agency, mm -hmm. to the power that each of us have. Why relinquish that power? Mm. I'm dumbfounded when people choose to relinquish that power. It's the most powerful gift we have, right? And, and we talked earlier in, in, in another, another chat, the three of us, about writing your own story. Oh, I was just going to go to that. It's a full yeah. circle moment. It, yeah, like, give it up, Jules. It, it is full circle. Like, write your own story. That's a choice. This is a new mm -hmm. beginning for so many people. It's a new beginning to examine how we're living, who's in our life, what's important to us, what we value, what we're making time for, what we're making space for. All of us have been given a very powerful magnifying glass during COVID. Pay attention. You know, the, the wonderful uh, Maya Angelou quote that says, you know, when someone shows you who they are, believe them the first time. When you're examining your life, pay attention. Listen to, listen to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Pay attention to what you're feeling. And then have the courage to act on it. Have the courage of your conviction to act on what you have discovered by looking through that magnifying glass. When you choose to write your own story, truly make that a choice. What happened to you? How you coped with it? 
how you survived and hopefully ultimately thrived, then your story can be someone else's survival guide. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Right? When wow. you write a powerful story and are honest, honest to the core about it, the difficulties and the challenges and the choices, then your story can become someone else's survival guide. What a powerful gift mm -hmm. to share. I know, so many, so many hackerisms. I've written oh. new ones down. Don't just think it, ink it. Mm -hmm. I was inking it as you were talking. Colleen, I know I thank you a lot publicly, but I need you to know this from the bottom of my heart. The fact that you always, always are willing to take the time and to share your wisdom means the world to me. It really does. That because I know there are so many asks on you and so many no, so many demands. So I know there will also come a time where you say, "How does never sound, Jules?" And I will be okay with that. You're but not going to hear then, that from me. <laughs> I will be totally fine with that, and I will still love you. Uh, but I just think you are such a gift, and I thank you for that. My heart is grateful and full. These times that we share together are really conversations in humanity mm. with an eye toward hope and an eye toward help. Yeah. And that is always time well spent. Mm. And I'm grateful for it. I'm aware of it. I don't take it for granted. So it, it, it's, it's a gift coming back. So thank you. Mm. I have known Colleen for gosh 25 years wow. and she not only explains things mm -hmm. and this is over the course of 25 years mm -hmm. she gets me excited to change things mm. she doesn't just name <laughs> it she gives you strategies yeah. to grow from it mm -hmm. and I am such a believer in the power of choice we control how we react to situations mm. good and bad and to me, that's everything in life. It's everything Colleen talked about in this episode. And every time, literally in 25 years that I've listened to her, it's a jolt of good. Yeah. What's your takeaway, Lynn? I think I wore out the word wow in this episode. <laughs> I just kept saying, wow, wow. I think I threw in a few woes, but just wow. <laughs> and I do want to take a moment to echo what you said at the end of the interview when it comes to gratitude for Colleen, she does not have to do this. She does not have to come on this podcast and share her wisdom. And the thing is she puts in sweat equity before these, before these conversations and legitimately, she usually gets paid for sharing this knowledge. And, and mm -hmm. what's remarkable is what she said at the end that was just so touching is how she mm -hmm. values conversations in humanity and helping others above all else. So mm -hmm. I feel so fortunate for these episodes, for every conversation I have with Colleen, the fact that I can text her, you know, it's, she has added to my life without question. And I hope that, um, everyone who listened to this episode took away your own hackerisms mm -hmm. because yeah, like you said, every time there's something new or something mm -hmm. new. 
And that sweat equity is real. She has notes upon notes and pages Mm -hmm. that she pours over when she's talking with you. I mean, it, it comes... Uh, it comes as no surprise that she just continues to amaze us after all these years. So, questions <laughs> permitted, Lynn. This one is from Pub Wisdom on Instagram. It's for you, oh, Julie. Pub Wisdom. Do you this know who is... it is? Yes, Pub Wisdom is my boy, Ewan. Oh, okay. Well, and he's my full disclosure. I call him my pickleball sugar daddy. Oh well, then it makes sense that this question is pickleball related. Oh, yes. Ewan is my friend, Ewan Morrison. Thank you, Ewan, who gets all my pickleball courts for me, and we play together. Oh. What did he say? I didn't know this. He asks, who's a better pickleball player, you or Ian? Ah. (laughs) This is why. Come on, Ewan. You know the answer to this. Lynn, you have yet to play. It's me, for the record. You have yet to play with Ian. Mm Mm-hmm. He, he is a very good tennis player. Mm-hmm. I have yet to play him in singles, but I say this with confidence. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I could take him. Wait, have you played pickleball with him or just played tennis? No, we usually play together, but I've never played singles against Ian. So you've played doubles pickleball with Correct. Ian. You've never Correct. gone head to head though. No. no. Oh. Well. I just set that up. Yeah. Then that would, we would find, really find out the answer. Yeah. I wonder what Ewan would say to that because he has played with both of us. Ewan, if you don't take my side. One of the reasons I wanted to ask this question was to have the opportunity to talk pickleball. Oh, yeah. It's because you now are in uh-huh. the culture. You're in it. I'm in. Yeah. I've played twice now. Uh, <laughs> I was over at your house recently watching professional pickleball <laughs> on TV, which was riveting. Finally got a ch- chance to see strategy and how it's done. And it is, you and I, you and I both now know this. It's all about the dinks. <laughs> Dink responsibly. This, this is who we've become. We are watching... Literally, you just said that out loud. You you acknowledge the fact that we get excited about watching pickleball. Oh, it was so good. First, we watched men's doubles, and then women's doubles came on after. Women's Mm -hmm. doubles was way more fun to watch than men's doubles. I there was something even therapeutic about it. I don't know. I'm I'm in. I do need to get my own paddle. You've been providing me with a paddle. I would like to practice more. I want to get yeah, my dinks you, down. Yeah, but you were you were good right away. Two Aww. in and you got it. And you got it. Thank you. It's your serve you. though? That's the thing. Ian Ian better watch out for your serve if you do play together because it's becoming pretty wicked. Yeah, he hasn't seen my new serve, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. He is one of those spinny types though. He spins every ball, which really annoys me. It oh. does that in ping pong, it does that in tennis. That's the tennis. Yeah. Anyways, yes, welcome to the pickleball craze. Jump on board, you too. everybody. Yeah. Get on that train. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's officially a wrap on season five. Part of me wants to dance. Part of me takes a deep sigh. That was a fun season. 
But fear not, we will be back for season six in the fall. And for those of you who have been on this journey with us since the beginning, we want to say thank you and hope you know how much we appreciate you. Our village is dope. Yep. And if you've just jumped on the laughter permitted party train, or maybe you bounce in and out, that's great too, because all are welcome in our dope village. You can even think a cinnamon roll is not a donut, and I will still like you. Maybe. You can be there for us by subscribing, rating, and leaving a comment on our Apple podcast page. And please go ahead and send this episode to someone you think would enjoy it. A big thank you to our incredible sponsors, Ally Bank and Dick Sporting Goods. Women supporting women. Does it get any better than that? Please go support them as well. And check out Kate Diaz's music, please. She's the talent behind our theme song. As always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. Exploit your sense of choice. Exploit it.